Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5. It's Episode 14 of the Rain Riggs Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, the CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. So it's the signature CC Classic 12-year-old, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. There you are, Ray, my good friend. You're on the road, uh, just off your first, first, first Vancouver Canucks regional broadcast with your old buddies, right? This year, like your, your golfing pals. You've got Shorty right. there. You've got Murph. I mean, do you spend more time talking hockey or, or golf pre and post? Well, what I did learn working with those guys last night for the first time is um, food and post game is a is a focus. Okay. So, like, you need to know where you're going, and because they're like they've been doing it together for 25 years, they they're pretty yeah, sure yeah. about you know about the game. Um, honestly, it was so fun to do. Um, yeah. These guys are you know John Shorthouse and Dan Murphy are two of my good friends and. We play a lot of golf together and to be able to work with them was, it was better than I thought it was going to be like, you know, it was so fun. Um, it was kind of cool to be able to do games back, you know, that are shown back home where for years, you know, that the, the people at home haven't been able to watch. And um, so that, that felt really good. And yeah, as you know, when you do something new, there's a, there's a little juice to it as well right there's just a because it's all a little different everything's even though i've been doing it a long time it's all a little different and uh no i was it was a lot of fun and so i'm in montreal the canucks are in toronto on saturday and then here on sunday um it's kind of a funny weekend for the canadian teams because toronto's got back-to-back at home friday saturday canucks have back-to-back saturday in toronto sunday in montreal and montreal has back-to-backs at home Saturday and Sunday. And that, that seems really, um, you know, like a, an odd occurrence for, for the weekend. Man, the Canucks have some swagger right now, Ray. I mean, I just visualize Vince McMahon just walking down <laughs> as Rick Tockett or Patrick Alvin or Patterson or Quinn Hughes. I mean, go down the list. They've got something special here. It's not out of the gate anymore either. It's, 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 it's moving along the year. Well, here, here's the one thing about, you know, well, there's a couple things, but, you know, you hear people say, oh, regression is coming. Well, of course it's coming. Nobody yeah, wins yeah. every game. And, you know, we just saw it with Vegas. They were 11-0-1 out of the gate, and then they've lost a couple games. And I guess you could call that regression, or you could call it it's an 82-game season. And so, of, of course, the, yeah. you know, the team is going to flatten out at some time, but the points are already in the bank. Like if you're if you're if the race is to 96 or 98 points, they've they've already got a chunk of those points already in the bank. Mm-hmm. And it, it any team that gets off quick, like you know, LA's just gone on that you know that great road run. Those are all in the bank. Those points. And mm-hmm. um, it was interesting last night. They didn't really have, I would say, their A game. Yet right. they found a way to win with less than that. And that's something that's not happened in the past. And they, you know, they did it with Casey DeSmith and goal. Demko got a night off. He'll play in Toronto Saturday. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, so they got a, a good game from their backup goalie. Their power play scored again. They got, you know, Mikheyev scored two goals. One of them was lucky off his foot, but scored a nice one early. And they're, they're starting to get a little more depth scoring because the top end of the roster, Miller, Pedersen, Hughes, uh, Besser's got 11 goals. Like, they've been lights out here for the first quarter of the season. Well, we're leading with the positive here in episode 14 of the Randregs podcast. And the not-so-positive is coming up in the Tim Hortons headlines. And a reminder, Tim Hortons is launching its first-ever national holiday smile cookie campaign, November 13th to the 19th. So when you buy one of these delicious smile cookies, which, by the way, they're $1.50. We can all afford that. 100% of the proceeds go to support local charities. For more than 25 years now, you've come to know and love Tim Hortons smile cookies only at Tim's. So the Oilers lose. They lose an unthinkable game to the San Jose Shark 3-2. Let's give little credit to the Sharks who have been kicked in the shin so many times this year. But now Edmonton sits marginally ahead of the San Jose Sharks, last place team in the NHL standings. Jay Woodcroft asked post-game rape by Mark Spector if he's concerned about his job security. Here's his response. You're you got a Stanley Cup contender that's in 32nd place here. Are you worried about your job? No, I worry about taking care of my daily business and my daily process and making sure that I give my players something to focus on and concentrate on. No one's happy with where we're at. We all own it. Uh, We can be better, and that's where my focus is. Well, there you go. And as Ryan Rashog, our fearless leader here from Rev Media, tweeted uh, not so long ago as we record the podcast here early Friday afternoon in the East, the Oilers aren't going to make a coaching change, at least until the conclusion of this road trip. And they're in Seattle now practicing. Um, and then they'll play the Seattle Kraken in Seattle tomorrow. But how many more games, Ray, can this team burn before something has to give? And, and I, look, we're not coach killers here. We're not trying to, to – or I'm not suggesting that Woodcroft is the reason. Coaching is the reason. But you've been around this game your entire life. Like, mm-hmm. when things like this happen, you got to do something, don't you? Either the players respond or management responds. Well, and so certainly the first options, the players respond. I mean, I yeah. – look, I there's a couple things that stand out for me here. Number one is is the most obvious is that you can't have you don't need to have the best goaltending in the league but you can't have the worst, and the Oilers have the worst, and yeah. having the worst goaltending makes the coach not a very good coach, right? Like how many coaches yeah. get talked about is oh he's a really good coach if the goalie stinks because you can't win, and so that's that's the first part of it. The second is <clears throat> who would have thought the top end of their roster would be so dry this far into the season. I know they've got no depth scoring, but you would think that the top end would be able to carry them through a little bit of this mess to have some points in their pocket. They've got none. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe as we sit today, Sam Gagne, who's played like four games, has the same number of even strength goals combined as, as Dreisaitl and McDavid. Like, that's just not possible, except it is. And, the you know, you get into a point where, you know, you try to fix one thing and then another leak springs up. And then you try to yeah. fix that and then it's another. And you're just, you just never get it all fixed. When Dave Tippett was let go and they brought in Woodcroft, 
Um, it wasn't immediate, but things changed because it's a new voice. It, everybody exhales a little bit. Um, trades are almost impossible to have any significance at this point. Like yeah. you could bring in a, a new penalty killer or, you know, shift out a million dollars here for a million dollars there. But it, it really, they're, they're not season changing things. The, the season changers are McDavid and Dreisaitl. They have to be yeah. because they're at a level that other people just can't get to. As far as the coach, I mean, he's, he's right. Like you, you, I'm sure you lay your head on the pillow and go, man, this is crazy. I can't believe it. And you worry a little bit, but he has to, he can't worry what Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson are going to do. What difference does that make? They're not, you know, it's wasted energy. Uh, I'm stunned. The Oilers are where they're at, like stunned. But I also think that they can't let too many more games slide by because there is, there's enough time to turn things in a positive direction. But again, Absolutely. if we look at 96 or 98 point strikes, like you got to get going or pretty yeah. soon you're looking at, you can only lose like 22 or 23 games for the rest of the year. There's the numbers get ugly in a hurry. How dangerous is it to manage, try and manage the future? And what I mean by that, you're right. I, you know, we, We've been down the road of the salary cap long enough now to know that to make a meaningful trade this time of year is, is almost impossible unless you're significantly mortgaging your future. I mean, if you think Scott Lawton is going to help, you know, bring a little bit of juice or whatever into your mix and you're willing to give up, you know, a, a quality prospect or a top draft pick or whatever to make that work with Philadelphia, okay. Um, but where I'm going with this is you get to the March 8th trade, trade deadline <clears throat> And you're a non-factor, worst-case scenario. Are you not looking to next year, knowing that Leon Dreisaitl is going into the final year of his contract, and there's an excellent chance that he's going to say, "You know what? Uh, I'm not doing this. You know, I, I've earned my right to free agency, and I'm going where it's sunny and the taxes are better." <laughs> and you know, everything that that type of player has the not the luxury. I mean, I guess it's a luxury when you're that end of, of, of it's the, the right. spectrum and you, it's their right. That's the word I was searching for, but can that even enter into your mind? If you're Kenny Holland or you're Jeff Jackson or you're Daryl Cates, they know so, that these big contracts are coming. Are you, are you saying come near that deadline that they're on the cusp or they're out of it? Well, uh, I mean, Cause those are two very different decisions. You're right. You're, you're a hundred percent right. You're right. And, and here's the other here's the other complicating factor into all of that. You know, you mentioned Kenny Holland, you mentioned Jeff Jackson. Ken Holland is at the end of his contract. Yeah. And is that going to be his decision? Is it going to be Jeff Jackson's decision? Yeah. Is it both of theirs? Like, I don't have the answer, but that is a monumental <laughs> decision because that decision leads into the next decision. Yeah. Right? And so if if he's given you no indication this being dry sidle that he would sign and you know we're talking months here uh, you know but if you've got no indication that he's going to sign man you got to you cannot let him wander into the last year of his contract and the possibility of yeah. losing for nothing no like who would want to make that decision? I wouldn't. No, I, I guess what I'm saying, though, is if you get closer to the trade deadline, and let's give the, the Oilers the benefit of the doubt, and they are a playoff team when March 8th rolls around. 
do you do what the Tampa Bay Lightning have done yes. over time and just yes. say, all right, Xavier Borgo is a lovely piece in the American League right now, but here's what we can get for him. And if we throw a first round draft pick into the equation, here are two pieces that <laughs> now it has to be capped. You know, Edmonton's a cap team. It's got to be dollar in, dollar out. But I guess that's where I was going with it. Just to prove to the group, we know the window is closing on these high-end guys. Leon is the first. So let's make sure that we put all of our chips to the middle of the table. Okay, so here's, here's what I would say to that. You know, there is this adage now, and we saw it last year with Florida. If you get in, you've got a chance, right? And Florida goes all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So people in the game and in the media and the fans will use that as a blanket statement drags for the entire league. And that's not the case. Some teams get into the playoffs and you know, they're not going anywhere. Like they're, they're 16th out of 16 and they're still they're in, but they're not going anywhere. And Florida was such an outlier last year Mm -hmm. that they were able to do that. If you're basing your future on the, one in a hundred that that could happen, that's a terrible decision. Yeah. But if you get to that deadline and you're like, if we get in, like if I'm the Oilers, I'm thinking if we get in, if they play themselves into a position to be in that conversation, I'm thinking like Tampa. Yeah. Because I don't need to have the best team for the season anymore. Yeah. I need to just get in and have a really solid team and my big boys light on fire that's that's how i would look at it all right well obviously we'll be paying close attention uh to what's going on in that seattle edmonton game tomorrow because it it does feel as cliche as it sounds it feels must win and i hate that term and it's always applied but it's 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 not related to making the playoffs it's related to keeping jobs Uh, well uh, let me just let me just finish on that sure i i think if uh, I, I think it would be probably wrong to suggest a win and Woodcroft keeps his job, a loss, and he, he loses his job. In, in my history or my experience, those decisions are already made. Okay. Um, and so if they're going to keep the coach, they're going to keep the coach. All right. And if they're not going to keep the coach, they're not. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, What's abundantly obvious is the, the team's got to play better, and that has oh. to start immediately. Or, you know, you do creep into that territory where just trying to claw your way back into the wild card conversation, right. for heaven's sakes, is a, is a challenge. Okay, let's shift to the East, and you've got the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Hall of Fame game in Toronto. We learned this morning that John Klingberg, in fact, is hurt. Um, lower body, and instantly when it's the Leafs, people are rolling their eyes and going, sure it is. You remember that Lou Lamoureux Island where Stefan Robina just mysteriously went to and never came back from? No, no, this isn't it. Uh, Klingberg, in fact, has a lower body problem. It's not serious, but he needs a couple of games to see if some treatment is going to help things settle down before they go to Sweden. Um Reeves has been ineffective, Ray, but I, I, I want a thought on him. But first, I want to talk about the Klingberg situation because Klingberg, just the quick eye test tells you he's been disastrous. You know, he's just not been good. The numbers will certainly back that up. But I look at Shattenkirk in Boston. 
who was sketchy at best last year, right? You know, he comes into the Bruins and, hey, the Bruins have had their share of adversity on that back end, right? They've got injuries. They're Charlie McAvoy in a four-game suspension. But Kevin Shattenkirk is a pretty big piece of that blue line. And, and he's been effective. Mm-hmm. And that probably speaks to the structure, right? And the commitment from everybody who puts that uniform on in Boston. This is how we have to play every shift every night. And we're going to be successful playing that way. Yet, you know, I'm sure that Sheldon Keefe and the coaching staff are trying to do the same thing. They can't get buy-in from that group. And because of that, there's no insulation around John Klingberg. And he looks like Bambi on ice out there half the time. Well, so if people were expecting John Klingberg to be a stable, steady force on the blue line, they, they haven't been watching for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Like his, his, he's not what he was when he was in Dallas and you know, there's gotta be a little bit of, you know, thought that always goes through Klingberg's head that, you know, they, they basically priced themselves out contractually and he ended up with a one year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he was looking for five times seven and he ended up with one. And, um, and now he comes to Toronto, it's 4.15 and, you know, Players are smart. They know that they know what the narrative is around them. They know that their position in their career, and this is an important spot for him. Use the great term. There's no insulation on that leaf defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got two guys in Brody and Riley, and then everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. It's a tough way to play. And the other thing the Bruins have, if we're, you know, contrasting and comparing and Shattenkirk and Klingberg is, they have Linus Ulmark and, and Jeremy Swayman. They have the best goaltending in the league. <laughs> it makes and Toronto has less than the best goaltending in the league. Yeah. But it's, it, I, I just, I didn't like the fit on the signing. Um, okay. ju- just because of how the last couple of years have gone for him. Now, last year, you got to scrub some of that. I mean, Anaheim was just, you know, they were, it was a tough place to be. Yeah. Yeah. But, Shattenkirk can go to Boston and he has his job is so well defined. Mm -hmm. They're not asking much. They're saying, can you do this? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Well, for Klingberg, it's, it's a bigger ask. And the the fact is he certainly to this point hasn't been able to provide that. No, no. Well, they'll give him a couple of games. Obviously he's not going to be healthy enough um, to play in, in either of the back to backs. And then, you know, what's important to him, I'm sure, is being healthy enough to play in the games in Sweden. So that'll be next up for John Klingberg. All right, let's uh, wrap up the Tim Hortons headlines with uh, what a night for Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. Four-pointer against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Didn't it feel, Ray, that it, it was building to this, right, for Bedard? Now, we shouldn't expect Connor Bedard is going to have a, a, a series of four-pointers. The league is too good for that. But right from... Game one that, that you did with ESPN, mm-hmm. the debut of Connor Bedard against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, you saw the flashes, you know, and you can see the, the high level of skill. Um, but where the Blackhawks are, you know, obviously he's, he's going to have some trying nights that go along with it. So it's nice that a kid gets rewarded the way he was rewarded last night. It, 
for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm really interested in him because I can't, it bugs me that I can't quite <laughs> pin him down yet. Right. I, I thought he was something, then I think he's something else. Then I think he's something else. <laughs> so, you know, there was a lot of talk about his ability to roll off players in the offensive zone, to cycle off and, you know, a, a little bit of Crosby in him. I don't see that. Yeah. You know, Sid is a tank. Yeah. Like he, he's, if, if he were an inch shorter, he'd be round. Right. Like he's just he's so thick and, you know, strong. And Bedard's 18 years old and, you know, he'll add some power to himself as he gets older. But the play he made last night um, where the puck's in the neutral zone and he reaches out with his stick and yeah. kind of like swoops it or what I don't even know what you call it. And it goes to <laughs> Felino. It's a two on one and he scores. There's a. That was very. I'm not comparing. That was very Gretzky-like. Like it's unassuming, and then all of a sudden it's in the net. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at what he does with his stick, I can tell you 1,258 games I played, I think I was an okay player. I never did that. I never thought <laughs> to do that once. Hmm. Like there's a creativity those great guys have. They see things that other people don't. And I'm, I'm seeing that with, with Connor that he does things that other people don't think about. It's not that they couldn't do them. It's like they, it's not even in their imagination to do. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Those are your Tim Horton's headlines. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian club whiskey, introducing the first release of the Canadian club invitation series, CC 15 year old Sherry cask, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian club, with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. And just guess who our guest this week is on the Ray and Dregs podcast. At the line, takes the shot, goes Suzuki's way, back to Matheson. Caulfield thought about the one-timer. Caulfield, great shot, score! He did it again! OT winner, Cole Caulfield! Introducing Tim's new holiday smile cookie. 100% of proceeds support local charities, community groups, and Tim's campers in your neighborhood. Buy a holiday smile cookie at Tim's to give back to your community. All right, Ray, and just like we planned it, we just heard the soundbite from Brian Mudrick, the golden tones of Brian Mudrick calling the overtime winner last night, scored by Cole Caulfield, who joins us here on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. And what a beauty it was, man. I mean, a perfect shot, nice feed by Matheson. How high, Cole Caulfield, is your confidence right now? Because it looks pretty high. <laughs> uh, for sure feeling good. Um, obviously, it was a big win for us. Uh, kind of coming off a, a couple games losing. So um, it was big for us and um, you know, a big win going into this huge week here. Uh, confidence is funny for scorers, eh? Like, you, like the puck comes to you sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Like, where were you after your shoulder surgery? You got a rehab, you come into the year, like, did you feel good early or did it take you a bit to get, to get comfortable again? Um, you know, I think, you know, when I got the surgery, it was, it was early enough to where I had a full summer and the summer for me is pretty big. Uh, you know, we got a good, good group in Michigan that kind of prepares you for the season, um, play a lot of small area games and stuff. But, 
And once I got back to Montreal, um, you know, scrimmaging a bunch, kind of getting the legs back. But for me, scoring is all about you know, practice and, and reps. It's not really about, uh, you know, game situations or putting yourself in a game. But um, you can put yourself into situations during practice in the summer to, to kind of feel prepared and, and ready. You, you talk about the repetition. That goes right back, right? When you were a little kid, your dad ran the rink. <laughs> and like, were you, were you like, were you a rat? at the rink all the time? Were you always out there, you and your brother playing? Yeah, my mom's a teacher, so, you know, you had two options, and, you know, I was <laughs> definitely not going to school, so. Right. Uh, Good choice. <laughs> for, for me, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, obviously, to have, you know, my dad do that, run a rink and, you know, have all the free ice that you wanted, but um, also have my brother there, too, so I would, you know, never be alone on the ice. Uh, dad really never went out there with us. He kind of just let us create our own our own drills and kind of wanted awesome. us to to push each other and you know that's kind of what happened but obviously pretty lucky to have your dad kind of give you free ice all the time now he was a scorer too right in the day that's what he tells me yeah right there's no <laughs> there's no video right there's nothing there's, there yeah he's yet to show me anything so uh no he's uh he's i think he's still got it i mean um he still coaches a, a bunch during the year and oh, awesome. the summers too so um, he loves shooting on goalies still and, and just proving that he's still got it. But, uh, you know, he still has that snapshot active. So, you know, it's pretty fun to see. Now, okay, so when I was still coaching, when Landon was playing, I'd shoot and they'd laugh because I had this old guy's muffin. Like, can your dad shoot it or is he? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, it doesn't even look like he's trying, but it's it's more all just a flick of the wrist. It's not very very powerful, but it's quick and he can put it kind of wherever he wants and um, I'm always laughing at it because you know he's always kind of standing still. He gets it off a pass. He's just in the <laughs> slot, whatever. So he, he always looks good, but uh, it's still pretty incredible that he's still got it. Now, um, I would say most people don't quite understand how hard it is to score at, at really at any level. Um, and you've been just an exceptional scorer throughout your really your whole life. I I was asking my brother-in-law Tony Granado, who coached you at, at Wisconsin, and he said like he he could never describe like your want to score and like out early to shoot and the repetition of the shot at university is, is that one of the, one of the big takeaways you got from going to school was just the extra work, the extra time, the, you know, the, the level that you were playing. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, um, you know, every goals, my, my next one I always say is my favorite one. So, um, for me, is obviously, you know, you had all the time in the world to, to get on the ice early in college and, and stay out late. And practice was obviously pretty fun, um, too. So, I mean, every time you, you score, I think, you know, it's a good time to celebrate or enjoy it. So, um, I think, you know, not many guys love it as much as I do. And um, you know, I love doing it. So, hmm. I think practice is pretty big for me. Um, hmm. Kind of putting yourself in situations, you know, maybe not trying to score all the time, but kind of shooting where you want to shoot in a way that you think the goalie is going to, going to move or react. So, um, just kind of trying, trying new things and, um, you know, putting yourself into different situations. You celebrate a practice when you score, don't you? I know. <laughs> oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> just give it to the guy. Like, Hey, it's behind your pal. You do. Yeah. Like, come on, stop the next one. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I got a good relationship with goalies, but, uh, yeah, I think it makes it a little bit more competitive. Talk about that overtime winner last night. I would assume, Cole, that all goal scorers, most goal scorers anyway, you know, feel 
that there's a moment here, right? And and maybe it's a stretch of, of shifts. It's a stretch of games. But you're in overtime, and that's a situation you're going to want to thrive in. Um, so in that moment last night, did you kind of feel like that shot was coming and you were going to be able to tuck it in short side the way you did? Um, you know, Marty always says, play the game that's in front of you. And, uh, you know, for us, that was, you know, just kind of move it around. Obviously, you have some some set plays off of four on three and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, sometimes it doesn't work or, or things don't line up and you just have to play the game and read and react. So it's kind of just more like that. I think, you know, kind of taking what the, the, um, the other team gives you and, you know, reading off what they're doing. But um, you know, I didn't really – I could have shot that one-timer, but you know, there's no upside doing that. So, um, you know, when I caught it, I just tried to – Try to get to the middle and give myself a better angle and kind of use cider as a screen there. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think, you know, the goalie really saw it much. And, you know, you just got to put it in the place where he can't get to it. So that's kind of what I saw. Um, obviously, you miss. You try and get the puck back and do it again. But, um, you know, that's just kind of how I saw it last night. Yeah, you mentioned Marty. Um, when Marty St. Louis takes over, you know, he's none of us know him as a coach. We just know him as a player that was on waivers that, willed his way and skilled his way to the hall of fame, like just a, an amazing player. So hard to play against. Um, What's tell us, tell me what it's like to play for somebody like that. He's like a, seems like he's part philosopher, part strategy, (laughs) part, like it, like there's a lot going on there. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible. I think, Um, you know, he's a, he's sometimes more of a teacher than a coach in a good way. And, um, you know, the things that he kind of sees that most people don't is, is special. And, you know, I've said this before, like, I think sometimes he's too ahead of the game or, or too smart in some, in some ways, but uh, right. the way he sees things is, is special and it's good for our team, you know, kind of being young and, and fast and trying to find new ways to, to bring things into the game. But, um, I mean, we're all trying to figure out things together, I think too. And, you know, he's learning stuff every day, but, you know, we kind of doing it together, which is pretty special too. And, um obviously practices are pretty fun with him too um you know you play a lot of small ice games that kind of make you think and you know it's not just the repetitive same drills every practice so uh it's fun you know they're short you work hard for for 20 um every day and you know usually like 35 40 minute practices so um it's good stuff and uh, really really special to have him as your coach how's um how are things right now for you guys you've got such a young team you had a really great start yeah kind of hit a, a little bit of a skid for a bit and, you know, you get the win last night. How are, how are things right now around, around Montreal? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously a young team, but, um, you know, the league really doesn't care that you're young. It doesn't care that, you know, you got guys banged up or injured. So for us, it's just, you know, finding a way every night to, to be in it, to be in it. And you know, obviously the other night against Tampa, it's, it's tough going down for, for nothing early. And, you know, I think, as a young team, you kind of find a way to, to battle back and kind of put yourself back in the game. But, you know, for us, it's all about learning how to you know, not have those laggy starts or, or being able to start on time. So um, that's pretty much the, the main focus in the room right now. But, um, you know, I thought there's some good things that we take out every game. But, <clears throat> you know, at the end of the day, you know, two points is two points no matter how you get it. So, you know, yeah. for us, we're just trying to focus on the next game, obviously mm. take a weekend from the game before and, and clean some things up, but, uh, you know, very energetic group and, you know, a lot of upside. You know, in the media, we can debate whether or not, you know, this team is ready to turn the corner. We know that there's a certain path developmentally that, 
you know, the organization has embraced and is going to continue to adhere to, but 13 games in and you're in the wild card discussion. So are we heavily underestimating the possibility that, you know, this is a competitive enough group that you could nibble at a playoff spot or who knows, maybe find a way in. I mean, I think, you know, every year everybody starts at the same record. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's a long season, obviously there's going to be ups and downs and, you know, we've been through, you know, one of those already. So we're just trying to stay consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know it's going to be a long season with some, some tough stretches, but, you know, for us, it's all about, <clears throat> you know, just getting as many points as we can and, you know, see what happens. But, um, we're young, yeah, but I think most of our, our younger guys have played almost half a season now or, or close to a full one in their career. So, um, you know, you don't want to just wait around and, and wait for uh, you to be ready. So I think, you know, we look at it as a very optimistic team. And um, you know, I feel like we do surprise teams at some times. And obviously there's there's some times where, you know, teams take advantage of, of our, you know, youngness and, and not being able to – kind of settle things down where we want to but again that's that's part of the learning process and, and the curve that we got to kind of get over and it's good to have those experiences you know with failure to to overcome and find success still pretty cool uh skating out at bell center i, oh. I love that place oh. <laughs> it doesn't matter what day of the week it is it feels like saturday <clears throat> oh it's so good hey i gotta ask you about uh so you know this guy from wisconsin tells me about robbie badoon and uh <laughs> He said you would laugh as soon as I mentioned his name, that they were looking for a roommate for you when you come in as a freshman, and they're like, oh, boy, we got to find someone. So tell us about Robbie Badoon and what he's meant to you and now one of your good buddies. Yeah, this was uh, this was after my freshman year. Um, he uh, he was a grad transfer, and I honestly at the time didn't really know what was happening. I didn't sign a, a lease with the other guys in my class because I didn't really know for sure what was what was going on with with COVID and if we were going to play or not. So, you know, I just waited it out. And then, you know, when I decided I was coming back and stuff, I was kind of in a pickle. I didn't really, you know, I hate living alone in college and stuff. But um, we had this grad transfer goalie that I was like, hell no, I do not want to live with a goalie. This guy's probably weird. But, you know, a 19-year-old living with a 24-year-old um, doesn't really – you know, fit, but, uh, you know, I talked on the phone, um, never met the guy and, you know, decided to find a place and live together. And, you know, looking back on it, it was the best thing for us. Uh, it was a long, long season with, with COVID and, mm. you know, not being able to go to school. So, you know, we were always around, but, um, just the, the things that we would do every day, just be competitive, you know, it felt like a brother, you know, older brother to me. And, um, for sure, a great guy. He, uh, he was a huge part of our team that year. Um, you know, he was good between the pipes and stuff, but him and him and Tony got along pretty well and uh, still do to this day. So I uh, keep in touch with him all the time and, um, you know, he's doing well. But that, uh, that was pretty big for me um, coming back my second year and having a guy like that to, to kind of lean on. He was very competitive and kind of wanted the same things I did. So that was pretty cool. Uh, last one for me is your brother signed in Toronto's organization uh, this year. And, um, you know, he's he's. He's been there for you a lot, right? And been a, you know, been kind of someone you look up to a lot. Now he's got his own path, and so how often are you able to keep in touch? How how often can you get to see him play at all, whether it's online or um, what's it like with your brother uh, starting his pro career as well? Yeah, no, he's uh, no, I can't thank him enough. I think obviously we're, we're different players, different routes, different paths, but. 
and we did get to play with each other for two years in college, which is which is special for us and our family. But you know, now I'm I'm proud of him. You know, we uh, we actually lived together this past summer and um, trained, worked out together. So it was uh, it was all good stuff. But um, I got to see him twice in Toronto while he was there when we played the Leafs and preseason and the first game. So he got to, he got to be there for those. And then uh, he played in he played our East Coast team uh, last week, and they flew into Montreal and had a, had a day here. So. Got to hang out oh, with him. Good. It's always it's always nice to see him. Obviously, um, you know he's with that organization, and it's it's every every guy's got a different road. But um, mm. you know, I, I couldn't be more proud of him. I mean, he's he's giving it a shot. He's he's comp- competing, um, having fun, and um, you know just loves the game. So it's it's fun to watch, and you know, we talk every day. And um, you know it's a, it's a grind where he's at, but you know he's yeah. mm-hmm. he's doing it um, uh, as any way I can support and be there for him. I am. Awesome. All right. Well, good stuff, Cole. Uh, we'll let you go. With this can't can't end the interview without asking about the Yankees hat you're wearing. What's, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. It's probably the first thing I found when I woke up this morning. Um, <laughs> my dad probably wouldn't like me rocking this hat. He's a big Brewers fan, and and I am too. I shouldn't even be wearing this. So <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, buddy. Uh, Thanks for doing this. Big night last night, obviously. Keep it going in Montreal. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cole. You know, Ray, young players make their way into the National Hockey League, and they're bubbly, and they've got lots of personality, and that personality kind of manifests in how they play the game. Well, that's Cole Caulfield right now, right? Mm -hmm. He's 22 years of age, but let's just hope that that kind of youthful exuberance (laughs) never leaves because – he just seems to have it all, including an yeah. unbelievable skill set. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to disappear because, no. you know, obviously the guy from Wisconsin I'm talking about is my brother-in-law, Tony yeah. Granato, yeah. who coached him. And there's an energy to him that is just there. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was a, a time when uh, University of Wisconsin came out to Vancouver to play UBC in the preseason kind of like training games. Yeah. And so we had them, uh, we had the team over to our house for uh, a barbecue. Mm-hmm. They, ate, I mean, there was 25 of them. They ate more meat than you can, <laughs> like it was like 70 guys were coming. Anyway, Cole was there and they had all these games going on. And like, even he was the youngest guy there. Like his energy was everywhere. Sure. But what I got out of that interview is, I, I think he fools people into thinking he's just a carefree player yeah. because he's not, he's a thinker. Yeah. Like when I'm listening to him talk about scoring and getting into position and the next shot and the shooting yeah. it in practice where you think the goalie isn't going to be able to get it. But even if it's, but it's your shot, like you're, you're mm-hmm. working on something like that to me is a, that's a, the next step of, of thinking of yeah. playing the game. And he's clearly got it. It's, it, well, was, it was a fun interview. That was really great. It was fun. And, I mean, timing being what it is, right? We've, we've planned yeah. to have Cole on for a couple of weeks, and the timing just didn't work out. And I'm watching that game last night. and like, perfect, Muddy. You called it just the way we need you to for the podcast. The yeah, thank you, Muddy. Appreciate so your help. Worked out well. All right, buddy. Busy weekend ahead for you? Yep. Well, I got a day off tomorrow. I'll watch the – the, I'll watch you tonight, the Hall of Fame game. And, yeah. um, you know, it's a great weekend always, the Hall of Fame. And um, uh, Sunday I've got the Canucks in Montreal and 
So uh, I'm, I'm a day off in Montreal. It's huh. a great city. And so looking <laughs> forward to meeting up with some friends and grabbing a dinner and watching the games. Nice. Yeah. Hall of Fame game, Calgary and Toronto for me uh, tomorrow. Young Mason Dreger is making his way home. So I've got a tri-tip oh, going nice. on the pit boss, buddy. A tri-tip, yeah. a just nice big chunk of beef. Oh, so you got to work hard on that. When do you put it in? Eight o'clock and then check no, it at three? No, probably not that hard. It's not the biggest cut. I kind of exaggerated that. But uh, yeah, it'll probably need three, four hours. Yeah, three, four hours, something like that. Oh, yeah. So you put it in and then leave it. Jeez, that's really, really good strategy. I like put it. it in. Really work hard at it. Leave it. Go for lunch with my buddies. You know, watch a little college football <laughs> if it's going on, and then come back and have supper. That's what. The oh, I like it. I like it. Enjoy the weekend, Drakes. Enjoy, right. enjoy Mason at home. All right, travel safe. Uh, thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Drakes, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Thank you, Tim Hortons. Thank you, and as always, thanks to you for listening, rating, sharing the podcast, and keep checking us out on the Ray and Drake YouTube channel as well. Until next time, everybody, stay safe.